Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. My name is Brian, one of the co-hosts of the show, and with me is Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Doing quite well, Brian. Uh, also uh, looking forward to today's uh, special guest and special topic. Yeah, we're real excited to have Alan Hitchin with us again. And uh, Alan is going to be answering the question, are miracles being performed today? And uh, talking not just about miracles, Alan, but I guess also about spiritual gifts, right? Yeah, we're going to be talking quite a bit about the various teachings today on miracles, the people who are performing miracles, and how the Lord wants us to assess to make sure that we're not deceived with these miracles. Excellent. Yeah. And before we dive into the main topic, you know, I was thinking as as we were considering this subject that there are many people that we communicate with in the world, like we've talked about on previous podcasts. You know, this is really, this podcast really based on a variety of different Bible questions that we get uh, throughout the year from around the world. And Jeff, we see we see some, don't we? Uh, quite a few regarding spiritual gifts, miracles. Do these exist today? Can we do these things? So I guess it's not all that uncommon, right? To get to, to the website. Yeah, yeah, we do get a, a pretty fair number. In fact, uh, a good portion of those are related to speaking in tongues, uh, whether or not people you know should be expected to speak in tongues, whether that is a sign of you actually being saved, uh, etc. And of course, we know within various religious groups that are loosely associated with assemblies of God, for instance, Pentecostals, uh, as well as other what I might call more mainstream like denominations that are quote unquote charismatic. Uh, we certainly see a lot of claims today, uh, you know, speaking in tongues, probably the most uh, prevalent, you know, but others as well. And so it's a very legitimate and uh, timely question. And Alan, as you travel to other countries, uh, is this something that you also notice in other countries outside the United States that there's this belief in miracle gifts still existing today? Yes, uh, there are Pentecostal churches all over the world. Uh, there are uh, people like Simon the Sorcerer who are convincing the people, especially in Africa, that they have special powers and that uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but that he is now their spokesman to uh, explain these things to them. And so, yeah, there's a lot of questions and a lot of concerns throughout the world over whether or not these miracles are really true, because one of the, the real issues, the real problems here is that uh, many of these people who perform miracles are teaching very different doctrines. And if the Holy Spirit is confirming the word through the miracles, and he's confirming the word of one preacher who is condemning another preacher, but the Holy Spirit is confirming his words as well. And so you can see how this would work because most denominations today believe they're speaking in tongues, believe that they are from time to time able to perform miracles, but that would make God the author of confusion. So it's a it's a very, very difficult situation uh, for many because uh, they if once you think you've seen a miracle and I say think because, well, we'll, we'll explain why a little bit later. But once we think we've seen a miracle, 
uh, our convictions are fairly con- are fairly solidified, and for some people, they are so strong that you can't even reason with them. I've seen a miracle. The miracle was performed. Therefore, whatever this man says has to be from God. And so I've, through the years, I've looked at the scriptures, trying to find ways to help people reevaluate that, because sometimes our opinions are formed uh, by emotion. Other times they're, they are formed through logic and careful deliberation and study. And what I ask of people is that regardless of your emotional feelings toward a specific subject, especially this one, uh, it, it, it just be very wise. And I hope through our podcast uh, this today to help people see why it is so important that we not allow the miracle itself to stand without going to the scriptures and taking a look at it. Yeah, and I appreciate it. Appreciate that introduction. In fact, there was a, one of my coworkers, uh, you know, way back up the road, where we got into you know discussion about you know miracles and and baptism, and he was convinced that you know baptism, at least within water, had no no bearing on you know salvation uh, because you know as far as he was uh, concerned, you know people were saved without water baptism because they had been evidencing miracles and speaking in tongues and miraculous healings and such. And like you said, it was, it was in that particular case, impossible to make much uh, headway with him. And and maybe that kind of leads us into kind of the, the first question. And that is, do you think that people who at least claim to have seen these miracles um, are even open, you know, to discussing whether, Miracles are really truly happening. Well, this is this is a problem not just with Christianity but with many different religions. Once somebody believes they've seen a supernatural event, uh, they're fairly committed and convicted to the fact that whatever it is that they're being taught must be the truth because they've seen this. Uh, and unfortunately, many of the things that people have seen have either been orchestrated or are not exactly what they appear to be. And so that's why I consider this study to be so important. We've got to learn to put miracles under the scriptures. We have to put the scriptures above. Truth is absolute. You can't have uh, two plus two equals four, and then after performing a miracle, somebody says two plus two equals five, and then another man down the road says, no, I'll perform this miracle, and now two plus two equals six. And on and on it goes, because most of the people, and and again, it's very interesting, uh, throughout the history, the Catholics have been performing miracles. And also, many of the uh, churches starting in about the 1960s, this idea that miracles could be performed started crossing the boundaries, and some Baptists were doing it, and Presbyterians were doing it, and Pentecostals were doing it, and, and yet they all would say that these other groups are incorrect. So what does that do to their miracles? If, if this man is performing a miracle, and across the street another man is performing the same miracle, and they're pointing fingers at each other saying, this man is not teaching the truth, or this man is not teaching the truth, then the followers should be confused. The followers should be saying, I, you know, I need to take a closer look at this and try to understand uh, what is really going on here. 
Yeah, Alan, do you think you can describe the initial purpose for miracles and how often they were used? Yes, that that is another topic that many people are not aware of. And, and that is that for the first four or 5,000 years, there were no miracles. The first miracles that we really read about that were performed were performed by Moses. And then after Moses, uh, there were no miracles for, again, hundreds and hundreds of years until Elijah and Elisha came along, and they performed quite a few miracles. And then there are really no record of any miracles until Jesus comes. So we really have three pivotal periods, the Mosaic, when, when God gave the law through Moses, when God wanted to validate the prophets who were telling the people what you're teaching, what you're learning is wrong, and you need to come back to the scriptures, and then, of course, to validate Jesus. So the initial purpose of miracles is recorded when Moses is deeply concerned. God has asked him to go back to Egypt and to lead the people out of Egyptian bondage, and Moses is quite concerned that he doesn't have the ability to accomplish this. And this is one of the reasons why uh, he really doesn't want to go back there. And that's when God intervenes. So, um, Jeff, why don't you read Exodus chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 5, so that our readers can be updated on that scripture. I'm sure many of us know it, but let's just go ahead and read it. Okay, sure. Starting at the beginning of the chapter, Exodus 4. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Does throw the staff in order to prove, first to the, the Israelites, and then second to Pharaoh, that God, in fact, has sent him. But then a problem arose. Pharaoh's magicians were able to duplicate his miracles. And so Pharaoh was not impressed. Moses threw his staff down and became a serpent. The magicians had a trick. They had a way to throw their staffs down, and it became a serpent. And then Moses brought the frogs out, and the magicians had a way for them to bring the frogs out. And so Pharaoh is listening to Moses. He's listening to, to his magicians, and he's not impressed by these first two miracles because they could be duplicated. And that's kind of the problem we face today is that many of the miracles that people perform uh, can be duplicated. And many of the miracles Jesus performed can be duplicated by people who are not actually holding to the truth. It raises an interesting question about whether there were uh, other uh, records, you know, within the Old Testament of either this kind of, you know, duplication or emulation or trickery or uh, false miracles. Yeah, God was deeply concerned about this. Uh, of course, God knows the end from the beginning. And he knows exactly what men are going to do before they do it. 
And after God performed these miracles, he knew that throughout the history of the Jewish people, this would be an avenue that false teachers would seek to use in order to gain the, uh, the attention or the power or the influence over the people. And so before Moses finished writing his book, uh, or, or the first five books of the Bible, in one of the last uh, chapters, I think, I think uh, Deuteronomy goes on, I think, to into the, the 30s, but this is in chapter 13. So this is Moses' final sermon to the people. And here's what God wanted him to say. So uh, if, uh, uh, Brian, if you'd like to read Deuteronomy 13, and that'll be verses 1 through 3. Okay. Here it says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Okay, this is a, a very, very important passage. and. I would urge all of our listeners to carefully ponder this passage. God himself has said that there will arise prophets and dreamer of dreams who will give signs or wonders, or they will predict the future, or they will promise that this will happen or that will happen. And of course, uh, with time and chance, sometimes they'll be right. And so God says that if that sign or wonder comes to pass, then you need to evaluate what's this man saying to us. The miracle itself is not as important as what the person is going to use that miracle for. In this case, he is going to use that miracle to get the people to violate one of the Ten Commandments. Two of the Ten Commandments, as a matter of fact, you shall have no graven images and you shall put no other gods before me. And so the violation of law the violation of, of what God had already told them to do should have clued them in. And as a matter of fact, God says it's a test. It's a test of our love for him. It's a test of our love for the truth. It's a test of our desire to do his will and not our own. Anytime someone performs a miracle, the next logical step is like the Bereans. Let's search the scriptures to see whether what this man is saying is, is true. Because if what he is saying is not in the scriptures, then regardless of how impressive the miracle is, or how powerful the miracle is, or how awe-inspiring the miracle is, if he's not teaching the truth, then that miracle did not come from God. And that's why we have to be so careful, so very careful with miracles, because they do have power. Jesus used them, Moses used them, Elijah used them, the apostles used them to validate what they were teaching. And so when I see a miracle today, I think my first thought is, well, God must have validated that man's teaching. And then I read the scriptures and what this man is teaching is exactly, exactly the opposite of what the scriptures teach. And at that moment, I know, regardless of how impressive that miracle was, it was not a true miracle because no true miracle would contradict. Why would the Holy Spirit contradict his own words by validating somebody else's statements that are not even true? 
And I think that that's one of the most sobering thoughts that we need to sit down and think about when it comes to people today performing miracles. Yeah, Alan, I appreciate the key point you're making that God wants his word to have a higher value in convicting people than miracles. So would you agree that even when miracles were being performed, that the scriptures teach us that our minds must always be open to the word of God? Yeah, that's going to be the theme that that you've basically captured the theme of what I want to discuss this evening is that in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, throughout and and in the prophecies of the New Testament about what was going to happen in the end of as, as the world continued on after the apostles were gone, this same theme is hit on again and again and again. Put the word of God first. Put the miracles under the word of God. If the word of God is validated by the miracle, then it's a genuine miracle. If the miracle is not validated, if the miracle is performed in order to accomplish uh, the pulling people away from the scriptures, then that miracle is uh, something that we should forget about. Uh, in a, As we continue reading the passage that we just read about God saying, I'm testing you with these prophets, uh, God's conclusion is very eye-opening. So Jeff, if you'd like to finish that reading in Deuteronomy chapter 13, and this time we'll read verses 4 and 5. Okay. <clears throat> You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. So God has really spoken here, and, and I don't think that any, anybody listening can, can misunderstand what he said. He said in verse 4, you will walk after the Lord your God. You will fear him, keep his commandments, and obey his voice, serve him, and hold fast to him. Well, how do we do that? Well, God made it very clear. It's through the scriptures. That's the only way we can follow God. We, we just, as, as Jeremiah pointed out so many years later, it is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. We cannot serve God by closing our eyes and saying to myself, I'm going to do this and I know God will be happy with it. That is not God's will. God's will is that we hold fast to his commandments. And so this in verse five, the prophet or dreamer of dreams should be put to death. That's how God feels when somebody performs a miracle and then right after performing the miracle, teaches his people to go against his will, to walk away from him, to, to change the teachings of Christ. And so, uh, and, and he makes that point. He has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord. And uh, so the importance of putting the word of God above the miracles is absolute. And as I said, and uh, it, this is something you will see throughout the New Testament. And so uh, this passage held true from the time it was written until Jesus Christ came. The law was not changed. And so the Old Testament law made it very clear, if you see a miracle, 
and you're impressed with that miracle and that miracle truly came to pass and there's no doubt about it. But if the person who performed it is teaching you to leave the will of God, to change the word of God, to modify the word of God, then you should not only not be afraid of that prophet because he's not teaching the truth, but you should avoid him. And of course, we don't kill people today, but uh, the point that the Lord is making is I don't want you associating evil companionship corrupts good morals. If somebody's performing miracles, but not teaching the truth of God's word, then uh, we'll see in just a few moments, the source of those miracles are from Satan and not from God. And of course, Alan, you were mentioning, of course, this is you know taught within the you know, book of Deuteronomy and was uh, obviously true you know throughout the law of Moses. But as as we come to the New Testament, uh, as you started to mention, um, did that get changed any, or was this thing kind of you know reinforced, if you will, uh, for instance, uh, as part of Jesus's teaching? Absolutely. Even at the very beginning of his ministry. He had only performed a very few miracles when he preached his Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount ends with an absolute application to all future disciples. And most of us have heard these words. We may not have known they were talking about the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus said, if whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And whoever hears these words and does not do them is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. So whatever's in that sermon, Jesus expects us to build on it. Jesus expects us to follow it. And it's very interesting that Jesus makes the point. And Brian, I'd like you to read uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, first of all. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So this passage is, is a passage I use a lot in my study of people, with people, because there, there's a lot of false teaching in the world today. A lot of people have moved away from what Jesus has said and what he has sent his apostles to say, and they've changed the teaching. I think a couple of the most notable ones are that Paul said, I do not permit a woman to teach or have dominion over a man. And many people today are setting that aside as though it doesn't matter anymore. And yet Paul said that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So we can't just set it aside. And that's what Jesus is saying here. If you call me Lord, but you don't do the will of my father, well, where's the will of God's, where's the will of Jesus' father? Well, it's in the New Testament scriptures. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That's the will of God. And so Jesus forcefully, clearly wants it understood. If you call me Lord, then you must do the will of my Father in heaven. And then he brings up the point that, that I think is so important for our study today, and that's found in verses 22 and 23. So, Brian, if you'd like to continue reading for us, please. Here it says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let that passage sink in for a minute. Many. You know, I didn't read it, but back in verse 13, Jesus said, Try to enter in by the narrow gate. For many shall try to enter in, 
And then he says that the way that leads to life is difficult and only a few will find it. So Jesus speaks of many and few, and we have it here again. Many multitudes of people will go before the Lord on the judgment day and proclaim, I've prophesied in your name, I've cast out demons in your name, and I've done many wonders in your name. Well, that's exactly what is going on today. Multitudes in every church on earth are proclaiming to us that they're, commit, they're, they're able to prophesy, they're able to speak in tongues, they're able to cast out demons, they're able to perform miracles, they can raise the dead, they can heal the sick, uh, they can heal cancer, they can do all sorts of things. But then Jesus says to all of those people, again, it's many, not a few, not a few of the people, but many people have been so deceived by these miracles that Jesus is going to have to declare to them, I never knew you. Now, notice he doesn't say, I once knew you, but you wandered away from me. He says, you've never obeyed the gospel at all. As a matter of fact, you were practicing lawlessness. Now, that's exactly what Moses was saying. If the prophet or dreamer of dreams is teaching you to violate the law, then he is teaching you lawlessness. And that's what's so deeply troubling to me today about these present-day miracles is that they are emboldening people to practice lawlessness and not to submit to God, not to do the will of God. The will of God is scripture, not miracles. Miracles are an amazing thing that God allowed his apostles, his son, Jesus Christ, Moses, Elijah, uh, Elisha, and a few of the other prophets to confirm they'd come from him. But to use miracles to draw people away from him that's what the Lord is talking about here. And he says that there's going to be multitudes of people on the judgment day. And I don't want any of our listeners to be among that group. Don't allow miracles to convince you that your doctrines are correct without doing what the Bereans did, searching the scriptures every day to see whether these things are true or not. Because I don't want anyone to hear, I never knew you. But sadly, many people who are performing miracles today, many people who believe that others are performing miracles today, that's what they're going to hear on the judgment day. I never knew you. Now, again, remember, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, if you build on these words of mine, you are a wise man building on the rock. So those of us who assess miracles based on scripture and reject the miracles, if they are rejecting the scripture, are building on the rock. But those people who hear these sayings of mine and don't do them, they're like a foolish man building on the sand. And that's exactly what these people are doing. They're building on the sand. And when the Lord returns, it's all going to be washed away and their house is going to fall. Sad, sad, sad. And we need to get this message out. We need to help people understand that miracles are under Scripture, not above them. Yeah, and Alan, I can see how this passage might be confusing to some, especially when it seems like on the surface, you know, they're doing good things for the Lord. So can you can you clarify how Jesus can say, I never knew you, to those who were convinced that they were performing these wonders or miracles? Well, of course, we all understand that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so every one of us is on an equal footing when we hear the gospel if we obey the gospel, then we become a Christian, which means a follower of Christ. 
And Jesus knows us. He loves us. He says, I will come and make my abode with you. But there are certain steps. And we've talked about these steps before in our broadcast that Jesus demands that we hear his word. Paul said that faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And so if we want God to know us, we have to hear his word, which is the very thing that Jesus said these people aren't doing. And after we hear the word, we have to believe it. We have to trust in the scriptures with all our heart. We have to trust and we have to obey. And so then we repent because we find there are things in our lives that are not according to the scripture. So we repent of our sins. If we've not repented of our sins, then Jesus still can't know us. But then we confess his name. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that you are the Lord, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And yet, as Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why would you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And that's where many people stop. And that's why the Lord will never know them, because as we've noted in past lessons in Romans chapter 6, when we are baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. We die with him, we are buried with him, and we are raised with him. And as Paul said in Galatians 3.27, everyone who is baptized into Christ puts on Christ. So when we compare the miracles and the various teachings of those who perform them with the scriptures, we often find there's a huge gap. Remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, as, as Paul is telling Timothy what he needs to do in order to get to heaven. Uh, Jeff, would you like to read that for us, please? Uh, verses 16 and 17. Sure. It says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here we have, once again, he doesn't say all miracles are given by God and are profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. It's not the miracles. It's the scriptures. The scriptures are absolute. They are all important. Remember that at the close of the first century, the apostles were telling us, we've given you all truth. Uh, we've given you the faith, which is once for all delivered to the saints. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the scriptures. All scripture is given by inspiration. But the words of these speakers today who are performing miracles, they are not being given by inspiration because they are not in accord with the scriptures. One of the things that I've always found interesting is the Holy Spirit revealed the entire New Testament to the apostles and prophets. And he told them, and we'll talk about this a little more, but he told them, don't add to and don't take from it. Unfortunately, many of these miracle workers are adding to and taking from it. So what do I do? Well, I look at the scriptures. The scriptures are profitable for doctrine. If my doctrines are in the scriptures, then I am holding fast and the Lord will know me. But if my doctrines are not according to the scriptures, I'm practicing lawlessness. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you because you didn't obey my law. Same thing with reproof. Maybe some people who listen to this podcast today are thinking to themselves, this is hard teaching. This is, I feel like I'm being rebuked. And if the scriptures are rebuking us, because I, I haven't said anything that's not in the scriptures. I've only read the scriptures and then said, this is what it means. So if that's reproving or correcting us, then we should praise God 
that we have this wonderful opportunity to leave the deception that has been created by these people who proclaim themselves to be performing miracles, the very thing God warned Moses against or used Moses to warn against, and the very thing that Jesus uh, did to warn against. So if we want instruction in righteousness, it's not going to come from miracles because there's always going to be two kinds of miracles, and we're never going to know which one's which until we read the scriptures. So the scriptures are the absolute standard that we always have to come back to. And so verse 17, if we want to be a man of God or a woman of God, and we want to be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good works or every good work, don't look to the miracles. Miracles can't do that. Miracles can confirm the scripture, but they cannot give me a knowledge of the scripture. I have to go back to the scripture. And Jesus gave one warning that ought to put all of us into uh, great attention, great concern. You know, when we are uh, in our daily life, oftentimes we're doing things and we don't have a lot of concern because we're not in danger. But when a lion roars or when something occurs that leads us to realize I'm in grave danger right now, everything else has dropped and we look focus on this. Well, let's, uh, uh, Brian, you want to read that uh, Matthew 24, verse 24 and 25? For Christ or for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So who's he talking about? Who are these people who are going to do these great signs and wonders? You say, well, there aren't anybody. There isn't anybody like that today. Everybody who's performing miracles is, is teaching the truth. Well, the Lord said, I've warned you. I have told you beforehand. You need to understand that there will be people who will perform great signs and wonders. And that's what these people have done. And that's why their followers are so impressed with them because they've performed great signs and wonders. But Jesus says false Christs and false prophets are going to do that. Now, I can't, how do I know? How do I know if my preacher is teaching me from those miracles the truth or not? Well, the answer is in I read the scriptures. If the scriptures validate what they're saying, then I know that that miracle has come from God. Uh, if they are not validating what the Lord is saying, then I know that they are not from God. And uh, one of the last points I want to make in our podcast is that God has revealed that miracles were no longer needed after the first century once the word of God was confirmed. So that puts the miracles into a very interesting perspective uh, that we will look at uh, again in a few moments. Well, and Alan, that raises an interesting point. In fact, our, our listeners may recall, uh, in fact, I think it was like episode number 54 and 55, when we talked about the origin of the Bible, you know, including the New Testament, and how the New Testament had uh, somewhat of a process, if you will, in, in the first century with various letters and gospels being written and circulating. Uh, you know, along with, you know, false gospels and false letters and, you know, go through that kind of a sorting process. But, you know, after, generally speaking, the first century and after all the dust settled down and the canon, if you will, of the New Testament was established. So now that we have that in written form, are, are you basically saying from that point forward 
that anything that occurred, including up to the present day, has to somehow, if it's allegedly miraculous, has to be somehow measured, if you will, uh, against you know the New Testament and in contrast with what the potential miracle worker is saying. Yeah, and that, Jeff, is the, is the key. It's really the theme of this entire lesson. Uh, miracles are being performed today. No doubt about it. They are being performed. But the question is, are they really miracles, first of all? And secondly, if they are miracles, are they miracles from God or do they have another source? As Jesus said, there are many false Christs and many false prophets who are performing great signs and wonders and attempting to deceive even the elect. Well, who are the elect? Well, the elect are the people who have already obeyed the gospel. The elect are the ones who are chosen and picked out by God because they've obeyed the gospel. And unfortunately, those who have not obeyed the gospel would not be under the heading of the elect. They would be the people Jesus is going to say on the judgment day, I never knew you. But what we have to understand is that the miracles had a specific purpose. Uh, at the end of Matthew, Jesus says that uh, I will be with, you, be with you always. Actually, that's in, that's in Matthew. But at the end of Mark, he says that these signs will follow those who believe. And then he starts listing some of the signs. And then as Mark concludes his book, he says, the Lord confirmed the words that they were speaking with the signs, with the miracles that were being performed, the scriptures were being validated. And so the purpose of scripture is not to, not to contradict God, not to teach something that's not in the scriptures. The purpose of miracles was to confirm the scriptures. And once they were, excuse me, once they were confirmed, that's the absolute standard. That's what we use to determine whether miracles are true or false or not. We can't base it on the power of the miracle itself or the good that the miracle did or the amazing nature of the miracle or the fact that this person performed miracle after miracle or can prophesy and predict future after future. Even if all of that is true, God says, I'm just testing you. I want to see if you love me. I want to see if you trust my word or whether you are going to be more interested in following a man who is proclaiming himself to be able to perform miracles and then teaching you things that are not in the scriptures. I think we can kind of sum this all up in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So, uh, Brian, would you like to read that for us, please? Here it says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken, uh, if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. All right, so let's let, the, let's let that verse sink in for a few moments. What exactly is being said here? What is being said here is that the miracles that were performed in the first century that we read about in the scriptures were handpicked by the Holy Spirit to confirm what, as the Hebrew writer put it, what was spoken by the Lord 
confirmed to us by those who heard him, that's the New Testament scriptures, God also bearing witness both by signs and wonders, various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's all laid at God's feet. And God tells us the reason I did this was so that you would know the New Testament scriptures are absolute truth. They are the absolute standard. And nothing man can do is going to be able, as Jesus said, heaven and earth can pass away, but my words will never pass away. And so on the judgment day, what's going to be brought forth are these words. If we have obeyed them, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be evil, is how Paul worded it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. So on the judgment day, one of the books that is going to be opened is the New Testament scripture. Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 48, He that rejecteth me and does not receive my sayings has that which will judge him. The word I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. And of course, Jesus told his apostles that in Matthew 28, 18, you are being charged with teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So those people who say, well, we think the words of Jesus are important, but the apostles could have made a mistake. That's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired these people to write the scriptures. And that's the Hebrew writer's point here, that we will neglect a salvation that was first spoken by the Lord and confirmed to us by those who heard him, meaning the apostles and prophets, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and, and throughout the New Testament, Paul and Peter and James, these are the ones who heard him. And how will we escape if we neglect those words? Because those are the words that God has borne witness to with signs and wonders and various miracles. We can trust the miracles in the New Testament. They are gold standard. They have been performed. They have been performed for the purpose of confirming the word. And so what does the Hebrew writer say in verse one? We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about the scriptures. Again, it says in verse three, that it was confirmed by those who heard him. And now we are hearing them. So if my faith is based on scripture, in other words, everything I do, I have a scripture to quote. Everything I do, I know it's the will of God. I know it's the teachings of Christ. I'm going to give the more earnest heed to that. That's what verse one says, give the more earnest heed. And then he reminds us of those people in the Old Testament, and among them would be the people that, do, that God was speaking of when he said that there will be prophets and dreamers of dreams who will try to draw you away. And those people who were drawn away, every transgression and disobedience will receive a just reward, which means they will be punished. And so comparing the lesser to the greater the lesser being the Old Testament, where Moses said, do not allow miracle workers to move you away from the law of Moses. So, but how shall we escape if we neglect a greater salvation, so great a salvation, which has been confirmed by God? So I'm very confident that if I take the scriptures and evaluate a miracle worker, 
And I find that the miracle worker is not teaching what's in the scriptures. God says, you shall not be afraid of him because I'm testing you. I want to see whether you love the truth or not. And so if I hear what he says and I submit to it, then God is going to be smiling. God is going to be pleased. But if I look at the miracle worker and I say, I am so amazed at this miracle that I'm going to set aside what the scripture says and I'm going to hold fast to this man, then we will be hearing from the Lord, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Because whenever I do something that is not in the scriptures, that's lawlessness. Because the law of Christ teaches us what the truth is all about. So miracles were given in the first century to confirm the word that Jesus and the apostles preached, the New Testament scriptures. Again, they are the gold standard. They are the foundation that we need to build upon. They are the truth. And if we will follow those things, then when these people who perform miracles come along, uh, we will be able to withstand whatever it is they're trying to teach us because we will be guarded. We will have put on the armor of God and we will be able to hold on to that. You know, some might ask, what if the person performing the miracle is not teaching what is in the scriptures? Do not the miracles themselves prove that they are teaching the truth? How would you answer that, Ellen? Well, that's that's really how we started our lesson. This uh, this this lesson, this particular podcast, was that many people are so convinced that they have seen miracles that that's the end of the story. I can I can show them scripture after scripture after scripture, and it doesn't matter to them. Because, and, and you've made a good observation there, because whatever they say after they perform a miracle must be validated by the Holy Spirit. But they don't take it the next step. What if it's contradicting what the Holy Spirit actually said in the first century? What if it's actually teaching the opposite of what the Holy Spirit said? Are you going to say that the Holy Spirit is the author of confusion? Are we actually going to say that what the Holy Spirit said in the first century is now being superseded by what, this, what the Holy Spirit is teaching us today? That, that is, again, I, I believe that's the foundation of the Lord's statement that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. Because once we say that what the Holy Spirit has written is open to change, it's open Jesus said, my words will never pass away. Well, if this miracle worker comes along and he preaches something different than what Jesus or his apostles taught, and that word now has passed away, uh, that can never be. As a matter of fact, when we look at some of the scriptures, uh, let's, let's look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6. Jeff, would you like to read that for us, please? Sure. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, if that scripture is true, or maybe I should reword that, since that scripture is true, since those who are of God hear what the apostles have written. Again, that's the gold standard. That's the absolute foundation. As Jesus said, if you hear these words of mine and you do them, you're building your house on the rock. 
Well, what are these words of mine? Well, they're the Sermon on the Mount, but they're also the rest of the gospel, and they are also the rest of the New Testament scriptures, which all were written by the Holy Spirit. As I said earlier in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3 there, it says all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So, and as Jesus told his apostles again and again, the Holy Spirit will come, he will guide you into all the truth. Well, if he guided the apostles into all the truth, but now the Holy Spirit is coming along and saying, well, what Paul said wasn't true. What Paul said about women wasn't true. I made a mistake when I told Paul that. I mean, let's be serious about this. How does that really sound? The Holy Spirit saying, I made a mistake. The Holy Spirit is divine, just like God and just like uh, the Word who was with God, who became Jesus Christ in the flesh. They can't make mistakes. If if we're going to go there, then the whole foundation of the scriptures crumbles. If if the scriptures are not absolute truth, and that's exactly what John is saying here, we are of God. Well, how do we know they are of God? Because they were the ones performing the initial work miracles, which God said, I'm validating. I am validating all of the miracles my son performed and the apostles and prophets performed and the word they preached is validated. Now, he never does that again. He has never told any of us that the miracles that are being performed today have been validated by him. The sad reality is that it's just exactly the opposite of that. And so we are of God is what we understand. When I'm reading Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, any one of the four gospels, if I'm reading the book of Acts or Romans, or and I, I could just keep listing them, but the point is, as I'm reading through the pages of the New Testament scriptures, I'm reading of those who are of God. And if I know God, really know God, I'm going to hear him. I'm going to hear what they say. I'm going to submit to it. I'm not going to allow anyone to pry me away, not with money, not with power, not with uh, sinful activities, and certainly not with miracles, because miracles have now been proven to be uh, subjective. In other words, a miracle is not absolute. The scripture is absolute, but the miracles have to be assessed. God says if a man performs a miracle and it truly comes to pass, it truly is a miracle, but he teaches you to leave my word, that man didn't come from me. That is a false teacher. Do not listen to him. Put him to death. Now, that's pretty stern, and that's how God sees it. Now, we come to the New Testament, the same thing. Jesus says, if you don't do my Father's will, as recorded in the Scriptures, then you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And on the judgment day, if you think that your miracles are going to somehow circumvent the Scriptures, you are sadly mistaken. Jesus said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons? Did we not prophesy? Did we not perform mighty works? But Jesus said, I will say to them, I never knew you. So they are of God. Scripture is the absolute standard. I assess the miracles by the scripture, not the other way around. So when people today tell me they're inspired and they want to perform a miracle, and then as I talk to them, I find out that they're going to teach things that are not in the scriptures? Well, I know they're not inspired, first of all, because they wouldn't contradict the scriptures, and I know, therefore, that their miracles are not true. 
And so uh, there's another passage where John hits on this. So let's look at uh, 2 John verse 9. Jeff, would you like to read that one also, please? Yeah. Whosoever goes onward and abides not in the teaching of Christ has not God. He that abides in the teaching, the same has both the Father and the Son. So once again, we see the same thing. Will miracles overcome that passage? Will, will miracles uh, turn that passage upside down? Will miracles make that passage false? That whoever goeth onward and abides not in the teachings of Christ, and then we could put in parenthesis, except, of course, those who perform miracles, has not God. But we can't put that in there because God has already decreed that if a miracle goes onward and doesn't abide in the teachings of Christ, that didn't come from God. Only he that abides in the teaching has the Father and the Son. So let's just, let's just cut to the chase here. Let's just make it as clear as we possibly can. If someone is performing miracles, and as you listen to their sermons, you listen to their preaching, you read the scriptures, or you read their, their writings, and you find one thing, one single thing that's not in the scriptures, that person didn't come from God, has not God. Only those who abide in the teaching of the New Testament scriptures. The New Testament scriptures are the foundation. You remember Paul said that. He said that in Ephesians chapter 2, that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Of course, he's not talking about the individuals. He's talking about their teaching. He's talking about the fact that if a church builds itself on the rock of the foundation, remember Jesus said, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Well, Jesus Christ is the Lord and his teaching is absolute and no miracle today is can can overcome that as a matter of fact it's exactly the opposite scripture will overcome any miracle if we love the truth that's going to be the case and and i hope that as you're listening wherever you are in the world today and and whatever attitude you have toward people who are performing miracles don't stop i've seen a miracle i don't have to go any further i'm convinced well jesus said many who say that are going to find out on the judgment day I, they're going to hear, I never knew you, because they didn't assess the miracle with the scriptures. Let's look at a scripture that kind of sums all of this up. Brian, would you like to read uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verses 9 to 12? Yes, here it says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they, may all, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So here we have a category of miracles, miracles that are according to the working of Satan. He said, they have all power. They have all sign. And they have lying wonders. Well, how do I know they're lying wonders? Because what they're used for 
is to draw people away from the scripture. A miracle itself proves nothing, teaches nothing, accomplishes nothing. If people are performing them today, then uh, the fact of the case is I have to use the scriptures to figure out, is this a true miracle or false miracle? Is this from God? Is this from Satan? Is this a deception that this man came up with? What exactly? But you know something? People don't do that. Once they see the miracle, oh, that person is, you remember Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8? This is the power of God, and it is great. So Simon the sorcerer was a great power of God, and yet he wasn't. And when Philip came and performed real miracles, and that's the difference. A lot of the miracles performed today are minor compared to what the Lord was able to do. The Lord was able to go into the graveyard, and the Lord was able to tell someone who was already in the tomb for four days, come forth, and out he came alive. No one can do that today. No one claims to do that. I've never seen a miracle say, let's go to the graveyard and let's raise someone who's been dead for four days. They can't do it. The miracles that are performed today are miracles that, for the most part, you can't see. They don't break. They don't heal broken arms. Uh, they don't put their hand over an open wound and the wound is healed. They, they will proclaim someone is lame and then allow them to walk again. But Peter found someone who'd been lame from birth. Jesus found some who had been blind from birth. Those were validated miracles. We don't have those today. But more importantly is that these people are going to perish because they didn't receive the love of the truth. You see the point? The love of the truth is higher than miracles. And those who can reject miracles because they have a love for the truth, those are the people as God said, I'm testing you. I want to see if you love the truth. I want to see if you will obey. I want to see uh, if you will uh, come out from among them and be separate. But if we say, no, no, I'm going to follow these miracles. Well, verse 11 is pretty clear. God, I'm sorry, 11 and 12 is very clear. God will send strong delusion. Now, this doesn't mean that God is sending lies into the world. What it means is whenever somebody sets aside the scripture to follow after someone who's performing miracles, once you let go of the scripture, you are deceived and there will be strong delusions. And, and that's the case. There are people out there who have actually committed fornication or adultery because their prophet has told them, this is what God wants you to do. There are people out there who have stolen. There are people out there who have murdered because this is what the miracle worker is urging them to do. Can you think of people who could be more deluded than people who would commit sinful activities in order to fulfill the desires of a miracle worker? And, and that's exactly the Lord's point. The Lord's point is if you have to let go of the scripture, in order to accept these powers and signs and wonders, then just mark it down. That's the working of Satan. That is not the working of God. God would never contradict himself. God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of all truth. 
And so when I look at the scriptures, when I have a love for the truth, when the scriptures are more important to me than miracles, more important to me than human wisdom, more important to me than things that would make me happy or things, in other words, I'm going to do what God says to do, even if it hurts, even if it harms me. Paul said, I had to suffer the loss of all things to become a Christian. And so all of us need to look within our hearts and we need to understand something. Those miracles that are so impressive to me must be assessed with the scriptures. And if the scriptures do not validate them, then I have to reject them and I have to turn away from them or I will be strongly deluded and I will perish. Because that's exactly what he said. These people will perish. The unrighteous deception of those who perish. So these are critical thoughts. These are, these are important principles that our listeners need to apply. Make sure the scriptures come first. And if you're not sure, then you can contact us or you can look on our website and you can look at some of the things the scriptures have to say about various topics. And if you're a preacher or teacher or miracle worker or person of power is not teaching these things and you continue with them, then you are going to be considered by God to have failed his test. His test is assess the worker of miracles by the scriptures. And if he is teaching you things that are not in the scriptures, I'm testing you to see if you love the truth or not. And that's exactly the point here. Those people who do not have a love for the truth, they won't be saved because you have to have a love for the truth to be saved. And so miracles are wonderful as we read about them in the New Testament scriptures, but miracles that are being performed today are not so wonderful, even if they appear to be so compelling and so amazing. Uh, if they're not teaching what the scriptures teach, then they are not to be listened to. Well, and I certainly appreciate the, the emphasis that you're placing, which is reflecting what the scriptures are actually saying, you know, emphasis on the scriptures, you know, emphasis on a love of the truth. I mean, you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, Pentecostals, charismatics, et cetera, you know, they may acknowledge the Bible, uh, you know, as scripture, uh, even though, as we've noticed, you know, they may claim miracles and they may teach, you know, a different plan of salvation or an active role of women preachers or other things that, contradict what the Bible says, but we also have religious groups, likewise claiming to work miracles, uh, that want to add new scriptures. And I guess I'm thinking to some degree about the, the Catholic Church, for instance, when the Pope, you know, speaks ex cathedra, you know, from God, proclaiming, quote unquote, new revelation. And of course, we have the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You know, likewise, they claim, you know, to have you know modern inspiration. You know, writing new scripture. You know, Bible 2.0, uh, Book of Mormon, etc. But I guess in some ways, if if the scriptures have been confirmed with miracles, and have pretty much been closed, if you will, or the the, the, the revealing of God's will, you know, pretty much completed within the first century. You know, I can see people, you know, still coming along and saying, well, yeah, but don't miracles serve an additional purpose or a secondary purpose of, you know, making people's lives better and healing the sick and, you know, those kinds. Of so are there 
is there still room for or need of miracles today? Well, that's a that's an excellent point. Uh, and it's something that uh, we, we need to talk about. But before we talk about that, I, I'd like to address our readers with something Paul said. Have I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? I don't like to have to point out to people that what they are thinking or believing is not in the scriptures. It's a very unpleasant task. Paul did it, and Paul was persecuted severely for doing it. And it was something he did because of his love for the truth and his love for the souls of the people that he was preaching to. And so many of those people were performing magical arts based on their idolatrous gods. And in Ephesus, uh, the books that taught those things were sold for 50,000 pieces of silver, and one piece of silver is a day's wage. So 50,000 people's day's wages were burned because Paul pointed out to them that it was an error, and it was false, and it would cost them their soul. And so when we speak of miracles, as I said, many, many of the listeners, I'm sure, have been born and raised into these things, and their parents believe these things, and their friends believe these things. And this is why Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 10, he that loveth father or mother, son or daughter, husband or wife, or even their own life more than me, not worthy of me. And so all I'm urging people to do is evaluate their, their miracles based on scripture. And the final point that I want to make, and it's kind of a teaser or a uh, desire to get you to come back and listen to the next lesson that I would like to speak on, and that is, since the scriptures are already completed and the work of revelation is done, the New Testament, once the New Testament scriptures were complete, uh, we have all truth, absolute truth. There's no reason for miracles anymore. And so I guess one of the most uh, powerful statements, most contradictory statements that I'm going to make at the end of this class is, or podcast, is that there are no miracles today that have come from God. God has made it very clear. And if you want to read about it, you can read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul says that the miracles will cease when that which is perfect has come, and that which is perfect has come. So the sad reality today is that those who perform miracles are all being deceived today. There are miracles today. I won't argue with that. There are miracles, just like God said. There will be mighty works and powers and, and signs and wonders that could even deceive the elect. They're going to be there. But for thousands of years, actually 2,000 years, the scriptures have been validated. And the miracles the Catholics have performed, well, I'll leave that for you to decide. Are Catholics uh, that are believing things that are not even in the scriptures, can those be miracles? And so as we wind down this class, I would just urge all of our listeners to carefully consider the possibility that the miracles they have seen are being performed by people who are not teaching what the New Testament is teaching. And I've yet to find one. I've yet to find somebody who is performing miracles who is teaching everything the scriptures teach about the truth 
And so as we conclude this and uh, think about it carefully, I hope that our listeners will give careful thought to this because, as Jesus said, many are going to say to me, we perform these miracles, and I'm going to say to them, I never knew you. Don't want anyone listening to me today to be among that group. You know, Alan, throughout this podcast, of course, you've been emphasizing the need to verify with the scriptures, right? Anything that's being taught. And it reminded me of, you know, First John 4, 1, where it talks about, or, you know, really tells us that we have a responsibility to test all teachers, all preachers, all pastors, all elders. And uh, here John says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Of course, spirits here being, you know, teachers or individuals, humans, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so as you emphasized, Alan, and I just can't echo enough to our listeners, and that is we have a responsibility to test these teachers, preachers, and so forth. And as you pointed out, we can only test them by confirming if what they're teaching matches with what the Bible teaches. Exactly. And one final passage I'd just like to talk about over in Revelation chapter 2, you know, Jesus commended the church at Ephesus for testing those who claim to be apostles. And here Jesus says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. So we even see a local church who took that responsibility seriously and tested these men who were claiming to be apostles. So anyhow, just wanted to emphasize that as well, because we once again have that responsibility. Absolutely. And I would just urge, as you said, I just can't emphasize enough the importance of this lesson to those of you who have been convinced that your preacher is performing miracles. And so you are without question accepting anything that he teaches or anything that he asks you to do. And please get out from that. And we'd love it if you'd go to the website. We have lots of things on there that talk about some of these things. And I'll, I'll leave that for Jeff and Brian to, to uh, elaborate on. Yeah, before we talk about the additional material, um, Jeff, any, any final thoughts from you before we wrap this up? No, actually, Brian, I, I think Alan and, and you kind of pretty much, you know, covered the waterfront in terms of, you know, emphasizing the validity of the New Testament, you know, as attested to by, you know, legitimate miracles and that anyone that would want to somehow add to or take away from that with some new modern revelation and take you in a different direction, uh, even though they perform something that looks real good. Um, is to be rejected. And as you said, this is, some people might say, you know, seeing is believing, but <laughs> not in this case. Yeah. And place your, you know, belief or faith in what the scriptures say, uh, and then use that as the standard, you know, by judging what's going on around us. So that's, that's all very important. Yeah. And, you know, I was just one of the quick thought, I was thinking of the Old Testament and how, you know, if you had somebody that tried to convince you of a different teaching or doctrine under the old law, even if they were a family member, you had a responsibility to put them to death. And that really kind of <laughs> emphasizes what God thinks about that, right? So anyhow, well, we want to um, point our listeners, if you'd like some more information on this important subject, you can go to our website, biblequestions.org. 
And under the alphabetical index that you'll see there on the homepage, you can choose the letter M for miracles, H for Holy Spirit. And then at the top, if you're using a traditional web browser, you'll see a, a lessons button up there. Or if you're using a mobile browser, just click on that three line menu, go to the lessons section. From there, go to Christian Living. And then we have a study on supernatural power, Alan, that you put together, right? That touches on some of these principles as well. That brings us into a totally different realm now. We've been talking about people who proclaim the scriptures, but there are witch doctors and there are uh, various people who use their uh, ability to uh, perform something that seems very powerful in order to lead them not only away from Christianity in the sense of not fulfilling all the laws, but of rejecting Christ entirely. And so there's some things in that uh, section about how fear and superstition can really be our worst enemies. And so if, if our, our listeners are interested in that, uh, please uh, go ahead and take a look at that. Yeah, so you'll you'll find that under that lesson section, Christian living, supernatural power. And then when you get in there, what you'll see is there's a handout on idolatry and sorcery. And then as you mentioned, Alan, earlier, you know, Miracles Today, that's a second handout in there where uh, you can look at that. And I think you'll find that to be beneficial. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org, where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at biblequestions.org.